disrupt this meeting, I will have to remove you from it. Hello again. Hello again. I thought I wasn't going to get in then. <laughs> you have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. She's just kicked him out. Please refer to me as Britney Spears from now on. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a great pop music album and break it down, track by track. And we would normally do this kind of thing. And Will, we have quite recently done this very specific thing, haven't we? This is feeling very, very familiar. And I'd say it was deja vu, but it was more like deja vu. <laughs> this is, of course, version two of our very by Pet Shop Boys episode uh, due to what we called on the socials uh, a technical issue. Uh, you might actually say it was human error, Will. Yes, a disgruntled member of staff took issue with us uh, and burnt all of our raw materials. And I don't mean your... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was worse than Chernobyl. <laughs> It did go up like a Christmas pudding. Uh, Dan, so, Dan, who yeah, who is on the turntable this week? Uh, so, yeah, it's Very by Pet Shop Boys. And, Will, who are Pet Shop Boys? There are a couple of lads trying their luck in the music industry, and they've been at it for many, many years now. Or they are a legendary duo, uh, electronic pop duo, uh, formed in London in 1981, not from London, formed in London. Always very important to put that out there because I know uh, it has been uh, taken the wrong way in the past. And uh, not that you've kept hold of that in any way, shape or form. No, I'm very open to constructive criticism, Dan. Just oh. don't give... No, oh, just don't... don't... No, it's just we're, we're out of time for that. Okay. But the Pet Shop Boys, huge, huge duo who've had uh, many, many albums uh, over the last few decades. Uh, and they are still going strong. We've had uh, Hotspot last year, which we talked about as one of our albums of the year. Uh, and I'm sure, aside from Very Today, Dan, we're probably going to talk about them again at some point uh, in the 2021 season of Track by Track. And we're going to be talking about Very today, which was the uh, fifth studio album, and it was released on the 27th of September, 1993. Uh, and probably know the answer to this, but Dan, why are we talking about this album? So yes, normally there's some sort of uh, anniversary or tenuous link that way. This is purely because of celebrating LGBTQ plus History Month. Uh, this is often seen as uh, Neil's coming out album, and I think we'll discuss that in a bit more detail or some of those themes in the lyrics as we uh, go through the album track by track. Uh, not only is it Neil's coming out album, but it's also, I think, a bit of a turning point from their roots and where they started out. Definitely a change up in sound and approach. And I have to say, it's not about me, but this is one of my favourite Pet Shop Boys albums because of that change in sound and the embracing of a more dance house uh, style, which I think is just it's just them all over. Definitely. I think I always love it when a band with a really long career behind them, when you look at the album that come that came out after the first greatest hits, it always feels like a bit of a turning point. And that is the case here. This came out after uh, discography. Also, it is the album that came out after Behaviour, which in, you know, in itself was a bit of a, a change in sound as well. So I love that we're really getting into Pet Shop Boys as you know, hugely diverse songwriters and producers. And uh, talking of producers, Will, uh, I'm sure you're going to ask, it's Stephen Haig on co-production duty on this album. 
And this album also saw a second disc being released just to complement that sound even more. A little bit more of a harder house sound in the relentless second disc. Which is what it was called. Not that it was relentless, (laughs) but the music is brilliant. (laughs) Uh, But not available on streaming services or and not featuring on the further listening edition of this why do you think that is well i don't know i i you know sometimes i do like that exclusivity and i'm fortunate enough to have a cd copy of the double album and i have to say it's packaged absolutely wonderfully as well as you would expect from a pet shop boys release uh it's not release it's very um (laughs) (laughs) but i am very excited to hear you talk about the art work on this episode it's very well, it's iconic, for want of a better word. Well, yeah, and it's not just uh, nice to look at. It's also absolutely lovely to touch. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, you've left me speechless, uh, which doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. So let's get you talking, Dan, shall we? And uh, diving into the album. Yes, let's. So we've got a lot to get through today. Here we go. Side one, track one, and this is Can You Forgive Her? No! So that's Can You Forgive Her? Well, I think they really do start as they mean to go on with this one. <laughs> that that overture opening, the swirls of strings, it's its a very dramatic uh, opening to this song, isn't it? And to, and to very. It is. For me, this is the track that bridges the gap between... Uh, the earlier albums and the kind of the newer sound that you'll see uh, unfold in the rest of this album, because I think it does sound very faithful to Petra Boy's song. It's it's melodramatic, it's big, the production is huge uh, and in, and intricate, uh, but at the heart of it, you've just got an absolutely stinging chorus with a story being told through it as well. What's the story, Morning Glory? Uh, it's about a young lad who's accused of being in love with a childhood friend. Uh, and she's not happy about it. Mm. Rightfully so, uh, actually. She's going to go and get herself a real man instead. She's going to go down mm. to the docks. Uh, good for her. Yeah. Um, I do love some of the lyrics in this song, particularly... The, uh, the line about behind the cricket pavilion in the bicycle shed. Were you ever caught behind the bicycle shed, Will? Uh, smoking, yes. Necking, <laughs> no. But I remember you actually were caught having full sex behind a bicycle shed, weren't you? Well, a couple of weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> Lockdown has been tough on us all. Um <laughs> The other line I really love in this one, Will, because it resonates, I think it resonates with us, probably with a lot of listeners as well. Uh, you dance to disco and you don't like rock. I wouldn't say we don't like rock, but we do enjoy the the more disco side of things, don't we? Yeah, in fact, Dan, when uh, I started the FaceTime call with you earlier, I was listening to uh, a classic Pet Shop Boys song uh, and we both just started dancing. There was no rush, no intention to get into recording. We were just no. having a good time. Dance is a language, as we show, as we showed through that call. Mm. Real shame that we won't. Maybe we should um, do an Instagram live just of us dancing and just let people join and view that, and just let them enjoy it in whatever way, shape, or form <laughs> they wish. Uh, there were some great remixes to this, and note most notably uh, from Rollo, uh, which was turned into an epic. Uh, house banger to that with the uh, Rollo remix. Also, there was a B side as well, which is it's okay. It was what you said uh, back at school when the headmaster walked past you and pinched you on the bottom. <laughs> hey, <laughs> headmaster, come back and give me another one. <laughs> In brackets. 
<laughs> Which would be a very good Pet Shop Boys title as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> because, yes, of course, there were the remixes. I love that there was a Rollo remix because, of course, he would go on to work on Nightlife with them. So it's great to see. I think, as far as I know, I might be wrong, as far as I know, this was the first time he had uh, remixed them. Um, and, yes, yeah, so this was the lead single from the album. And what I really love about this, I feel a, a real personal connection to this song because it was released on my seventh birthday, Will, on the 31st of May, 94. Um, and I do distinctly remember, and I've said this on Track by Track before, my earliest memory of Pet Shop Boys is not even hearing a song, but I remember running around the playground, not with that headmaster, um, with a traffic cone on my head and saying, I'm a Pet Shop Boy. So I, I don't Aww. know. You know, I don't know. I must have seen the video, obviously. Well, it was like that image was iconic, isn't it? And it still is now. It's probably the, one of the most associated looks of the hundreds of looks they've had over the decades uh, that still sticks in everyone's mind now. I think I'm sure at Glastonbury, you quite often see that traffic cone hat and the white glasses, regardless of whether Pet Shop Boys are there. And of course, they were meant to be there last year. Um it's uh it's, shaking it's, my it's, shaking it's my head yeah i shouldn't it's have brought probably, that up well no because it's not happening this year either so um, i wish i wouldn't have brought it up now and of course well we should mention time of recording they've just had to postpone the uh dream world tour as well haven't they so that's now pushed back to 2022 which is a real shame because that was the greatest hits tour so there's a very good chance this song would have been played uh, i'm pretty sure I, that we've heard it before together it it really does go off live this one doesn't it uh just the chanting and belting out the chorus um you know we've been there mouthing along together haven't we <laughs> we have uh dan i have to say actually something's changed since the last time we recorded together what's that lovely well i've moved house you have moved house should we share your new address now for any well wishes and cards no no let's just say i'm in bristol we've talked a lot about the bristol years your your youth uh and you've gone back you've gone back some people say don't go back i'm not trying to recapture my youth uh but uh just moved into a very nice house actually just still uh lots of boxes around me still but uh still made some time to connect with you dan and re-record an episode that uh, was previously lost. <laughs> Through no one's fault, really. Just, <laughs> just a little accident. Uh, there's going to be no finger-pointing on this podcast, but... Uh... Anyway. Track two. This... No, <laughs> oh. just to say, first of all, this was a top ten hit in, in the UK. got to number seven. Uh, but a number one US dance club hit. They do have a lot of different charts over there, don't they? But it's lovely to think, Pet Shop Boys can say, this was a number one. And good for them. Track two now. And this is, <laughs> I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing. So that was, I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing. And this is a bit vague, but apparently it's to do with uh, somebody who normally wouldn't show their feelings, but because of some event in their life, uh, loosens up and becomes more willing to, to do so. Oh, well, good for them, actually. You've got one life, live it. I have to say, Dan, the video for this is absolutely bonkers, but also taking maybe quite an early grasp of computer-generated imagery and videography. Do you remember it? I do remember it. And I think it it just, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because Pet Shop Boys are at the forefront of technology. When we think about music, we think about them really kind of... um, Pushing the envelope. Pushing the envelope and having their finger on the pulse at the same time, which I suppose is a little bit like 
uh, rubbing your tummy and patting your head. Um, but also it would make perfect sense because the visuals are always so important to them, whether it's their costumes, whether it's the, the live show, whether it's the video. So uh, I, I love the idea that they are really making the most of the video, uh, as, as they did quite recently, of course, not in a, not in a um, technological way, but just the video for Monkey Business was just, you know, not everyone's making videos anymore. And certainly mm. acts who've been going a little bit longer, I think they've become very bored of it and they just can't be asked with videos. Um, Pedro Boy still giving us B-sides, still giving us videos, still giving us what we want. Speaking of B-sides, there's a great B-side to this one, which you can hear playing underneath us now, which is too many people. Uh, and it's a little bit more of a dance, uh, dance vibe to it, I think is really nice, really quite nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this one, Will. And actually, in the time between us initially recording this episode and recording it again today, this has become a real favourite of mine. There's something about it, and it's a very thin line between whether... I can't decide if I think this should have been on the album or actually, no, it's a brilliant B-side and, you know, there is need to keep some gems in the B-side. A B-side shouldn't be kind of a... Um, something off the cutting off the off the studio floor or something like that b-side should still be fantastic uh, and i think the latter definitely this is best placed as a nice b-side and i love discovering a b-side that's incredible that really hits home with you that you never knew about before and i think i'm still discovering pet Shop boys b-sides that i didn't know or i hadn't listened to properly and now i'm loving them but the song itself well this is very obviously it's very kind of euro pop meets motown kind of thing going on with this song what are your thoughts on the track it is a bit motown i'd also say beatles yes definitely and that was definitely something in the iconography of the video as well with the hair the wigs the haircuts the sunglasses as well so but so camp but so pet shop boys high camp high camp uh i got hints of pandemonium from Fundamental. Um, <laughs> uh, this was a single as well. Got to number 13 in the singles chart. And it was the third single release. And of course, there was another uh, fairly well-known version of this song, wasn't there? Robbie Williams recorded a cover. Robbie Williams, future collaborator with Pet Shop Boys, of course, on the wonderful... Uh, she's Madonna and we're the Pet Shop Boys but his version appeared as a B-side to Let Me Entertain You and also appeared on the Friends uh, soundtrack and I remember years ago in WH Smith they had the Friends soundtrack CD and seeing Robbie Williams I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing on the back and thinking well this must be some kind of random album outtake they put on there because I'd never heard of the song before um, but I've since of course given it a spin since we again first recorded this episode a quick tangent uh, that wasn't in the first version of this episode. Do you, you follow WH uh, Smith Carpet on Twitter? I do not. Should I? Yes, because they post pictures and people share pictures through that uh, account of really shit looking WH Smith. Because, you know, most of them are now descended into rack and ruin. Uh, that account kind of revels in sharing the decline the slow or rapid decline of the state of wh smith stores track number three now and this is liberation So that was Liberation. And Dan, this is a second version exclusive thought I'm going to share with oh. you now. In the first episode of this we recorded, I was trying to think of what this reminded me of. But I remembered it's hit me and it was Pure by the Lightning Seeds. So do you think we should record and delete every episode first then we record again for all this bonus content is that what you're saying nah nah stop trying to justify what happened just consider us lucky that we get some extra 
pop content uh, this second time round. If anything, this is the further listening version of uh, <laughs> Track by Track's Very. But listen to Pure by Lightning Seeds. It's a really good song. And in fact, that album, Dan, we should put on the long list because it is really good. Uh, Jollification. And you do enjoy a good Jollification yourself, don't you? I certainly do. Uh, this one will. I'm getting real behaviour vibes with this one. I think that just the overall more mellow, more subdued sound um, really takes me back to that album. And of course, I say of course, you might not know this, on guitar on this one is JJ Bell, who did some of the guitar work on the album. I would say it's got a bit of a slinky disco beat running through it as well. I wouldn't say it was totally a throwback. Slinky disco is lovely, Will. Uh, do you know who I think of when I think about slinky disco? So Phyllis Baxter. Yeah. I think anything disco we think of her, don't we? Kitchen disco, slinky disco. Although I did see uh, a couple of days ago that she's having some trouble with Virgin Media, which means the kitchen disco planned for this Friday, which is probably gone by the time this episode comes out, is in jeopardy. Oh, actually, well, I've just remembered it was Virgin's fault why the episode didn't come out on Tuesday. That's just reminded me, actually. No, don't jump on a bandwagon. Actually, that's probably slander. I'll probably get taken to court for that. I'm sorry, Mr. Branson. As well, the thing I like about this as well as the guitar work uh, and the orchestration, which was done by the iconic Anne Dudley, who, of course, has worked with Art of Noise and ABC, amongst many others. Uh, but I really like Neil's vocal and particularly the layers of harmonies, which I don't really think you hear him layering up his voice too much throughout the uh, Pet Shop Boys career. I didn't say the Pet Shop Boys. I said Pet Shop Boys. I stumbled on my words. Um, but on this one, it really adds a different effect to the song. This was also a single. It was the fourth single. Uh, it got to number 14 in the singles charts in the and, UK. And yeah, Neil was in a relationship when he wrote this one. And I think you can really tell, of course, with the uh, lyrics talking about feeling liberated. Uh, and I'm sure as with most of Neil's lyrics, there are double or maybe even triple entendres and meanings running through that. Um but as well, I think you can tell with the vocal, as I said before, there's the wonderful harmonies, but also it just feels very positive. It feels very lifted. Um, I really, I do really like the delivery of this song. Lifted. Like, like that family. Are they on the not, long list? Not on the long list, I'm afraid, Dan. Uh, this video shame. was also a great adventure and voyage into the world of computer-generated imagery and videography as well. Uh, so definitely something, you know, of this time, 93, 94, that was an emerging technology. I just look at where we are now. Where are we? <laughs> so we're still waiting for that next bloody Avatar film. It's been 11 or 12 years. And it'll probably get pushed back again, like James and Bond. The new, and the new ABBA songs. Oh, I can't wait for those. So we've had single one, three, and four. I wonder when we'll get to single two. Hopefully it won't be too much of a wait. But anyway, in the meantime, here is track number four, A Different Point of View. Of course, it's not the DB Boulevard version, but are are they going on the long list, Will? Well, there's not much to go on the long list. One. <laughs> they had that song, didn't they? Is that Yeah, I don't remember anything else. If you are listening, DB Boulevard, do let us know. At Trap by Trap UK. I really like this track because of Neil's soft, melancholic vocals and a pounding beat with so much going on, so many noises... Almost sounds like a computer game being played in the background as well. Yeah, I love the... I, I think it's quite chaotic, this song, the, the amount of effects and layers that you get in this one. But I really, really enjoy it. And I love the fact that if if you'd heard all the singles from Very and then purchased this album, this is that first brand new track. This is that first album track. Uh, and what a way to kind of get into the meat of... Uh, or, or the vegetarian substitute of Very. 
And it's like somebody sticking your head in a bucket of cold water uh, and then pulling it out again. Just a very invigorating and refreshing. I, I'm glad you elaborated well, because I wasn't. I thought you were going to say it was quite torturous at first. Imagine oh, no, of, no, 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 no. Lyrically. Lyrically. This one really makes me think of you and I, actually, Will. That line about, if I'd say black was white, you'd say it was grey. It's very, very you energy, that line. I do like to disagree with you. Even when you're in, even when you're in the right. <laughs> and is it, is it with other people as well, is it, or is it just me? Oh, it's just you, Dan. Oh, I feel quite special now. <laughs> uh, although th- that line is followed up with, in spite of being treated this way, I still dream of you all night and day. Probably. Well. Uh, it's nothing going on. <laughs> we should probably move on from that. Yeah, let's move on to track number five now. And Dan, this is what you frequently do. Dreaming of a queen. So that was Sleeping with the Queen. Uh, dreaming of the Queen, we're loving. <laughs> I don't know where my mind was headed, but uh, not in the right place. No. Uh, so, Dan, uh, what do you think of that? I really like it. I think it's a really interesting sound to this one. It doesn't quite sound like the more subdued moment of liberation. It doesn't sound like the sort of house Europop inspirations behind some of the other songs. It's very, I suppose you'd say it's quite a dramatic you know full of storytelling this one and it is based around the idea of apparently it's quite a common dream i don't know if i've had it but it's the idea of meeting the queen but kind of in the wrong circumstance so a little bit like the dream about i used to have it about turning up at school without any clothes on uh but as a child and that actually did happen to you once (laughs) didn't it dan i'm just gonna Move move on from that, um, <laughs> as, as I've been trying to my whole life. But um, yeah, apparently people do have a dream. They dream about meeting the Queen and then suddenly realising they haven't got any clothes on. But I'm yeah. sure they still ensure that they are standing to attention. Oh, yes, you would be very on the ball if you're meeting the Queen, wouldn't you? Regard clothes or not. Exactly. Uh, but also, I think Princess Diana's in the mix in this song as well, isn't she? The lovely Lady Di. And Will, of course, you are a big fan. And I think it's a shame listeners can't see this call because, as you said, you've just moved into your house. But as a priority, you've got your Princess Diana uh, memorabilia on display there. Yeah, I've got a 48-piece dinner set, uh, which was uh, it was one of those ones in the back cover of the Radio Times that you send away for. Mm. Uh, it's a lovely uh, uh, Charles and Diana uh, wedding commemorative version as well. I've also got an extensive tea towel collection as well. I've got two dozen Princess Diana's tea towels. No, Princess Diana tea towels. I haven't got two <laughs> dozen of her personal tea towels. <laughs> you wear some Paul um, Burrell. I mean, yeah, I expect he squirreled them away somewhere uh, <laughs> and taken them off to Australia or something. I don't know. But, uh, but I yes, can see but... thimbles. I can see decorative teaspoons. I can see a clock back there, sort of a, a cuckoo clock with her face on it. The jewel in the crown. I've got a stunning bust of her. Oh, I was going to say, I think you going to say stunning bust. I was going to say, you should have. What's that got to do with Lady Diana? <laughs> <laughs> and I wish you wouldn't wear a corset for these recordings. <laughs> I think my favourite thing you've got, though, Will, is the full-size replica of the wedding dress that she wore to marry Prince Charles. Uh, Yeah, which I'm actually going to wear on my own wedding day. (laughs) And (laughs) Uh, but this track, what a great album track! Yeah, it really is. Of course, we should talk about we're talking about this album as part of LGBTQ plus History Month, and it would be remiss of us not to talk about some of the lyrical content of this one, which does, um, you know, does hit a little harder. 
There's the lines in this about no more lovers left alive. That's why love has died. It's talking about, it's obviously it's talking about the AIDS crisis. And what we didn't talk about when we initially recorded this episode, because it wasn't out yet, uh, is It's a Sin, which of course, inspired by the Pet Shop Boys song title, um, but also um, talking heavily and uh, covering the AIDS crisis. We've mentioned it briefly, Will, on, on the New Music Drop, but what an incredible series that was. So or, or, or still is, I should say, for those watching it week by week. Uh, yes, because it's obviously you binged it. Well, I think I binged it in a couple of sittings as well. Uh, but it was so powerful, so emotional. And I don't get emotional about many things, Dan, as you know. But this was just, I think it was just because it hit very, very hard, very close to home. Yeah. We all know people who have experienced... Uh, AIDS or HIV or have people close to them that have been through that as well and I think going back to the 80s and where it all started shows you first of all how far we've come into 2021 but at the same time what we still need to do. Absolutely and I think yeah being part of the LGBTQ plus community you do it does make you think you, you see yourselves in these characters don't you because these are people these were young people who escaped to London to have fun, to live their lives, to find themselves. And you did that and I did that and so many of our friends did that. And if we if we were around, you know, 20 years earlier, or maybe more, I can't do the math, but that, you know, that could have been us, that could have been our friends and mm. it really does. And and that obviously is the importance as well, I think, uh, of, of having the cast members be LGBTQ plus themselves. Uh, absolutely, Dan. As you said to me last week, you definitely saw yourself inside Ollie Alexander. <laughs> that brings it right back to track by track. <laughs> track number six now, and this is Yesterday When I Was Home. Darling, you were wonderful. You really were quite good. I enjoyed it, though, of course. No one understood. A word of what was going on. They didn't have a clue. They couldn't understand your sense of humour like I do. So that was yesterday when I was mad. The way it starts is not how it continues. No, it, it feels like lots of different songs coming together, this one, I think. And I have to be really honest, I much prefer the sort of, it's quite kind of like foot to the floor, uh, swirling, energetic chorus to the spoken word verse. I'm not all too mad on that part. I bet you do. Just like you were back at uh, XXL or The Hoist or something like that. I don't know what these are, Will. Sorry, what are these? I think I think you. I think the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> there is a great B-side on here because this was a single uh, uh, called Euro Boy. It's Dan really rung a bell with me because I think wasn't that the title of the magazines that I saw sticking out from underneath your bed last time I was over? Well, well, as you know, I am uh, quite a keen environmentalist um, and a naturist. As well. uh, no, naturalist, sorry, as well. So um, I was just going to see if you wanted to peruse them before I recycled them. I, well, I would peruse them, Dan, but uh, for some reason the pages were all stuck together. <laughs> They got wet during them when I was moving house. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. This was a the single, as I said, and it got to number 13 in the UK singles chat. This was single five. Is that right, Will? You're quite right, Dan. And I think sometimes with an act, you might think single five from a 12-track album. You're really pushing your look there. But of course, with Pet Shop Boys, you're going to get the B-sides. You're going to get the remixes. I think we'd happily have 12 singles from an album with all the extra content, wouldn't we? Oh, God, yeah, just keep it coming. So, track number seven now. Love the title of this song. Well, just love this song, actually. This is The Theatre.
So that was the theatre. I love how, well, in keeping with the title, it's so, it's theatrical, it's grandiose. I think the sound of this one, the wonderful strings, those vocals, which are coming from uh, Sylvia Mason James, the choir, it just conjures up images of stalls, the curtain, the actors, the lights going down. Um, And of course, the boys are big fans of the theatre, aren't they? Yes, and obviously heavily involved in the theatre with things like Close to Heaven, My Beautiful Laundrette, music, uh, to name just a few things they've had their hand in uh, in the West End over the years. And we've seen them, we saw the Inner Sanctum show at the Royal Opera House. So even when they're not writing for other shows, just as an act, it's very, the whole the whole look, the whole feel, the whole... Um, Pet Shop Boys are a theatrical group. That's probably one of many reasons why we love them. Uh, Saying that, Dan, what a fantastic time to talk about the album artwork. No, sorry, no. You you can't do it now. It's happening. It's happening now. Okay, I'm not happy about this, Will. I don't often say that, but I love this one. Go on. I've got to do it at some point. And for me, this is the best spot. So this album is very orange. Very uh, and you've got diagonally very and the Pet Shop Boys written across it with some uh, raised uh, bumps in it as well, which I think just enhance your pleasure of the album. It's unofficially called the Lego cover, isn't it, or the Lego album? It's mm. people, you know, and obviously you're a big Lego fan, so is that is that why this is one of your favourite Pet Shop Boys albums? Maybe so. Not at all. No, I don't. I don't personally don't make the connection. I just like. I mean, I love the album artwork and the art direction on this as well. I like the fact it is ra- slightly raised. Uh, and I do get some pleasure from the fact it is raised. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Track number eight now. And this is One and One Make Fun. So that was one on one make five. I love the way at this point in the album things continue to pick up. And this is great dance, Euro dance. It's wonderful Euro dance. I'm getting hints of Euro pop, house music. I think as well, this feels like one of the tracks that's most inspired by early Pet Shop Boys. Uh, and that obviously can only be a good thing. I really enjoy this song. And as I said to you when it was playing, it's one of the ones that's actually grown on me more and more and more as I keep listening to this album. And what does one and one, what does it mean, one and one make five, Dan? It's it's the idea of, well, you, you do this quite often, actually. It's, it's jumping to a conclusion. I'm never normally wrong, though, am I? Never knowingly undersold. <laughs> if only um, that was true. Having said that, though, Will, one and one make five, two divided by zero. Not the best mathematicians, are they? Now, this one, Will, features on, I wouldn't say backing vocals, but the Here We Go sample towards the end of the song. That comes from the band's late manager, Denton, or The Beat. Track number nine now, and Dad, do remember this in future. To speak is a sin. We'll stand around forever, regardless of time or weather, ordering Looking for love and getting Nothing that's worth regretting But wondering why we travel so far To speak is a sin So to speak is a sin there. I love some of the uh, atmospherics going on there. Some of the beats, the blips, the synths. Uh, it does remind me a little bit of something from the one of the more low-key tracks from the Electric era. Oh, really? 
Mm, very interesting. Again, I was getting kind of behavior vibes from this one as well. Uh, but I love the fact after one on one make five, uh, and yesterday I was mad. You've got this, which is a little bit more downplayed, uh, but still some great layering in there. Wonderful layering in this one, and a wonderful uh, theme and message as well. This one, of course, it's about gay bars. It's talking about behaviors, and but this song was written a long time before Very was released. So the sort of um, the attitudes had changed quite drastically in that decade. But also, of course, they've changed. We're very lucky that uh, they've changed a lot since then. But again, going back to uh, It's a Sin, and of course, To Speak is a Sin, It's a Sin, um, some of the best scenes, I think, were of the gang in some of those gay bars. Uh, and it was almost, you know, was, there's was something quite lovely about these safe spaces that they had. You know, it was, it was a, I think it probably was a real turning point, actually. Well, and Dan, those safe spaces are, you know, dwindling these days. You know, there's not a... Month goes by when an old favourite place, a haunt, or maybe even just somewhere you'd heard of, closes down, ceases to exist. Yeah. It's sad. It, it really is. The uh, Vauxhall Tavern, of course, that seems to, well, it, for a while, it seemed to constantly uh, be kind of having to, to, to fight to stay open. Of course, now I think there's some sort of long-term agreement, isn't there, that, it, that it's going to stay there. Uh, and if you do enjoy reminiscing and thinking back to places of, of times of old and things that have long gone, uh, a great podcast to recommend is Lost Spaces uh, from our friend uh, and musician Kay Anderson as well. Uh, and if you look back the, through the archives, you might see a familiar face or familiar name in the mix. Familiar voice. Familiar voice. The dulcet tones of Mr. Will Warren. Uh, it's a great series and I had great fun talking about somewhere in Bristol there is no longer there happy times track number 10 now and this is young offender So that was Young Offender. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, you haven't said that all. That is the new catchphrase, isn't it? <laughs> He's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, he was gorgeous. Uh, and obviously when the Pet Shop Boys sing about Young Offender, something, an image springs to mind, a person springs to mind, doesn't it, Dan? Red Boy. I'm sorry? Rent Boy. Quite, yeah, quite possibly. 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 Who are we to wasn't, I wasn't, off, wasn't an offer. Um, I thought, it, I thought you were just throwing a, a casual slur at me. There's a line in this one that I particularly like, uh, which is, I've been a teenager since before you were born. Um, and just that idea that it's not, I was a teenager before you were born. I've been a teenager since before you were born. The person delivering that line maybe still thinks of them that way. Um, but also is obviously a little bit older. Um, uh, I love some of the sounds in this, like video game sounds. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's definitely one of, again, after coming after To Speak Is A Sin, it feels like one of the more playful uh, Pet Shop Boy songs. And those, those games and those effects, you can almost envisage Pac-Man just running along, guzzling things up in his path. Oh, Dan, Kindred Spirit. This, of course, was not the only song called Young Offender from a 1993 album by a track-by-track track favourite and produced by Stephen Haig, was it, Will? What, wasn't it? No, Dan, <laughs> do, do enlighten me. Or maybe it was. No, it wasn't. There is also the track from New Order as well. Of course it is. What a coincidence. Or not. No, it's a coincidence. Backing vocals on this one, Will, from some track-by-track track favourites, the wonderful... Tessa Niles, Carol Kenyon, and Katie Kassoon. So, track 11 now, penultimate track on this album. This 
is one in a million. One in a million there, as I said before, the penultimate track on the album. But I think it's leading up to a really, um, it's not basically what I'm saying, Well, it's not petering out. And what I particularly like about this song, not to take away from anything that happens before, but the end of this song, it's so bombastic almost, almost ridiculously so. But what else would you expect from these guys? It's so not petering out, is it, at all? And in fact, this is one of my favourite tracks on the album. Because I love, uh, it's a really hard dance track. It's got a hammering on the piano keys as well. uh, And some great synth layering going on through it as well. But I think at the heart of it, uh, again, another really good narrative. And I think, as you said, Wills, it just sounds like a more traditional if you can say there's a kind of a traditional Pet Shop Boys sound because of course they do change it but it seems like it's harking back uh, to an earlier sound it's one of the more poppy songs and as I'm sure you're already aware Will they considered offering this one to take that but then decided to keep it I can imagine because it's quite when back in the earlier days to take that when they were more into the dance moves and the throw themselves around, not wearing very many clothes sort of time. Hmm. Lovely videos from, from those days. Oh, Daniel, you sort of drifted away then. Like I really were, did. <laughs> like your mind was somewhere else. Oh, I was just thinking about the shopping tomorrow. In the big shop. <laughs> I'm going to get some jelly, some cream. I need a new mop and bucket. <laughs> Uh, Will, I've got a challenge for you, though, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Listeners, this is real. He's not had any time to prepare. Pet Shop Boys did not offer this song to take that. But how many artists can you name that Pet Shop Boys have written songs for? Go. Uh, Gail's Allowed, Robbie Williams, uh, Liza Minnelli, uh, Dusty Springfield. And of course, there was Banana Rama as well. But as we mentioned on our uh, drama episode, they refused the song. They didn't want it. But who else, Dan? Uh, one that springs to mind for me is Morton Harkett from one of his solo albums. Uh, of course, th- he would spring to mind for you, Dan. Well, not only, of course, as, as a huge AHA fan, but also recently booted off on The Masked Singer. And also... He's absolutely gorgeous. Well, he is for 50-something years old. I don't normally go for an older gentleman, but uh, he's still chiselled. And the one thing that we have to talk about in this song is the key change. Very unlike Pet Shop Boys to have a key change in a song. You would expect it from, you know, it's very Westlife, isn't it? You can Mm. just see five stools lined up and they're all sat on some quite tall seats. Track number 12 now, and this is What A Way To End The Album. Oh, sorry. I thought I was going to sing the title together. So Go West there, probably one of the most iconic or one of many of the most iconic Pet Shop Boys tracks uh, produced and a cover at that. I know it's weird because I do feel like this is one of their most well-known songs. Um, and But of course, we talk so much about Chris and Neil being such incredible songwriters and producers. 
Um, but also thinking about it, it's not such a bad thing because if you can put your own spin on a song and make it your own and for your fan base who've been with you already for, for what, nearly a decade before this album came out, um, then, you're, then you're doing something right anyway. But it's, it's a wonderful cover. And just listening to that then, Will, it's pure hairs on the back of the neck stuff. It's just absolute euphoria. And I just can't wait to hear this song live again. Oh, it's it's a it's classic Pet Shop Boys, and it's just, I think it's just the Slinky Dance Disco beat. Uh, no, sorry, you've, you've used Slinky Disco today what? already. Sorry, well, I can that's... say again, can't I? No, that's that particular line is one per episode. It's a chunky disco beat uh, with that uh, men's choir chanting along to it as well. Uh, but I know what you mean. It's definitely a song of our times, an iconic song, particularly if you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, very monumental. And this one was first performed at an AIDS charity concert at the iconic Hacienda Club. Um, and so the legend goes, it was Chris's idea to do this one. He was listening to the village people's greatest hits and he felt that Neil's vocal, Neil kind of giving it more of a, a downbeat delivery with the bombasticness of the track and an actual uh, all-male Broadway chorus, as you mentioned there on the backing vocals, he felt it would work. And you know what? Unsurprisingly, Chris, you were absolutely right. It's a triumph. And for the US market, this one was remixed by a friend of the podcast, Mr. Steve Anderson. Uh, well, as part of Brothers in Rhythm, they did the US radio edit and some of the remixes as well. So before we move on, just a word on the album performance. This was uh, a big uh, hit record. It was number one in the UK album chart and also in the top 10 albums uh, across Europe and the rest of the world. And it is probably known as one of the most successful Pet Shop Boys albums ever. Uh, so much so the likes of Q, Rolling Stone gave it four out of five uh entertainment weekly gave it an a minus so you know very well received this album uh and with good reason so dan that's the end of very uh the album proper and great managed to squeeze in some clips and references to some other uh further listening but now we're on to further listening proper uh what are the parameters well as always with pet shop boys we are gifted with their further listening editions of the albums so we're going to stick with that, we've got so many to choose from. Will, we've got too many to choose from, actually. We could we could talk about all of the songs, but we're going to do one apiece. And Will, I'd absolutely love to go first, if that's okay. Uh, that's fine, Dan. And normally, I wouldn't know what you were going to do for your further listening. But because this is the second time we've recorded this episode, uh, I there's, there's no surprise. So, But go for it anyway. So I am going for the live version of the cover of Girls and Boys. So, girls and boys there, that was live from Rio. And actually, Will, here's another reason why it's fantastic that we've recorded this. This is from the upcoming Discovery DVD and CD uh, from the 1994 show. Um, and the origins of this particular cover version is because Pet Shop Boys did a remix of Blur's iconic track. Do check that out. Um, but I just love the spin they put on it. I think it feels doesn't feel like a cover or a remix it feels like a Pet Shop Boys song and I never really thought of Pet Shop Boys as an influence on Blur until hearing this because now it kind of makes sense West End Girls and Girls and Boys I think there's definitely similarities in in some of the ways that uh, Neil and Damon write lyrics but Will I'd love to know what you think about this one I was just thinking something very similar actually when we were listening to the track I was thinking this could be a Pet Shop Boys song when you think when you hear 
not just the words, but the way that Neil is delivering them as well. It could quite easily be an original from Pet Shop Boys. So I can understand why it's a kindred spirit. Maybe something they felt very aligned to covering and, you know, being involved with. And Will, what have you got for us today? I'm going to finish off with a real fun one. So this is uh, Pet Shop Boys, although not Pet Shop Boys when it was released. It was known as Absolutely Fabulous as the artist and the single title because that's what the song is. So that was Absolutely Fabulous by Absolutely Fabulous, a.k.a. the Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys, sorry, Dan. What? I know you hate that. I know you hate Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. This was released for Comic Relief in 1994 as the official charity single. Uh, And so it was midway through the album campaign for Very. It wasn't featured on Very itself, but was featured on the further listing for Very as it fell in that time period as well. But a brilliant, fun... Europop uh, uh, track uh, paying great homage to Absolute Fabulous, which was huge back in 1994. And Joanna Lumley and Jennifer Saunders were involved. They were in the video uh, and recorded some additional vocals that were part of the single as well. It is, it's just so much fun, this song. And, Will, this will probably be of no surprise to you or the listeners. Um, haven't seen very much of absolutely fabulous probably i've seen the film actually which was a lot of fun and mainly just about the cameos wasn't it the cameos um but i really need to go back and watch absolutely fabulous start to finish but i do love this song because it's just the the high energy and i you know i can laugh at the quotes in this song without even knowing really the episode it came from um and and what what a team eddie patsy neil and chris uh, it's not surprising at all that Pet Boys are huge fans of this show. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan. Unlike you, I loved and still watch Absolutely Fabulous, the series. And Dan, I have to say, I think the film would mean a lot more to you if you watch the series. I uh, will do my homework. I mean, what else have I got to do with my evenings right now? Apart That's from like watch- deleting episodes of Track by Track. <laughs> it's like watching... Holiday on the buses without having seen on the buses. I've not seen either. Any good? (laughs) Well, if you enjoy unsubtle innuendo uh, and a couple of men just kind of wandering around saying whatever they like uh, about whoever they like. Not for me at all. Not for you. Not for you. (laughs) All right. Absolutely not. Oh, Dan, we're out of time. (laughs) So... Do let us know what you think to Pet Shop Boys Very and also to this re-recording of Pet Shop Boys Very at Track by Track UK. And also, thank you for your patience and waiting for this episode. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, you weren't talking to me. Not you. Um, uh, and Dan, thank you for deleting this episode originally. I think this one's much better, Will. I think this version is much <laughs> The first one actually was quite drab, quite dull. Also, do take a moment to give us a positive review over on Apple Podcasts. Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease? Oh, I don't know. Can you give us a hint of a tease about anything? Ever? (laughs) Well, possibly. The next episode, hopefully if I haven't deleted this one, uh, we are continuing our celebration of LGBTQ plus history month. We are celebrating uh, an album released in the 80s by, at the time, a five-piece band. And I would say, Will, one of the most iconic and important albums of the 80s. Deja vu again, because I'm sure you said this at the end of the last episode as well. I stand by it, Will. I'm not I'm not going to edit myself on that one. Thank you very much. So, thanks for listening. We'll see you again very soon. Uh, hopefully, no more duplication or re-recording, but we'll see. So, until next time, I've been Neil Tennant. And I've been Chris Lowe. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, it wasn't recording. Oh.
I'm not a I fan of water. I don't fan of waterboarding. Water sports. Well, we'll save that for we'll save that for another time. It's been pushed back more times than you at university. I think there's a few ways that could be taking as well. A bit like me at university. <laughs> No, no one wants to see your seasonal bush in February. Well, in, in February, it's for Valentine's Day. I do a bit of topiary, make it into a love heart. Oh. <laughs> oh. Five stools. <laughs> <laughs>